So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. The last few weeks you've been looking at the ministry of Paul in Ephesus in the book of Acts. And uh, as you know, in Ephesus, it was a big, large city. It had the temple of Artemis there. And there was quite a business of uh, idol making. And of course, when the gospel was unleashed in that city, there was a great revival. So much so, people stopped going to the temple, stopped buying <laughs> the idols, and the idol makers were upset. You know, of course, economically they were impacted by the gospel uh, and all these people's lives being changed. And of course, it was a great riot, and they wanted Paul arrested and stoned and all that good stuff, but the Lord delivered him out of that. And from that time of Paul's teaching, of course, we even talked about how Paul preached somebody to death, right? How he fell out of the balcony, and at the same time, he, he, he killed him and then brought him back to life. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I can do both. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, uh, there was a great church that was founded in that city, and it had a strong foundation of apostolic teaching. Uh, one, of the, one of the beliefs is, is that the Apostle John and uh, Mary, the mother of our Lord, was stationed there, and they spent a lot of time teaching and pastoring that church. And, you know, this church had it all together. When you look at the kind of church you want to be involved in, you want a church that's doctrinally sound. You want a church that loves the Lord. You want a church that, uh, you know, can fend off uh, the heretics and all the, the bad teaching that goes around. Um, these people were a very solid church. And, um, you know, even though you may be doing right and may have all things looking good on the outside, the Lord knows your heart. That's the thing about Jesus. You can't fool him. You can't play games with Jesus because Jesus sees all things. You know, you might be able to fool your neighbor into thinking that you're a fine Christian person, but Jesus really knows your heart. Amen. So as we look at this scripture today, I just want you to know that there is no judgment or condemnation from the Lord or from me in this. I want you to know that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. This is for your own good. How many of you know that you appreciate when somebody can tell you the truth? Sometimes you may not be able to see it, but you may, they'll tell you out of love. You know, the other day <laughs> I had a, a cloud in my nostril and this girl walks up to me and she says, I love you too much to let you go around the rest of the day looking like that. She said, go ahead and wipe your nose. How many of you know that is appreciated, right? I mean, I appreciate it. And I think it's important for Jesus to confront us when we need to hear it. Sometimes we may not like it. Sometimes it may be uncomfortable. Sometimes it might even upset us. But the truth of the matter is that we need to hear the truth because the truth is going to set us free. And so Jesus basically uh, talked to this church and had a come-to-Jesus meeting with them. So we're going to look at this uh, found in Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 1. 
To the angel of the church at Ephesus write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now, Revelation has a lot of figurative language, but what basically he's talking about is that Jesus is walking among the churches, okay? And he says, I know your works and your labor. See, this is what Jesus is saying to the church of Ephesus. I know your works. I know your labor, what you do. I know your patience and that you cannot bear those that are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars and have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. So this is a, a lot of attaboys from the Lord. You know, he's coming along. Jesus is saying to them, hey, I know what you're doing here. You're doing great. You're doing a lot of good things. You're standing up for the truth. You've, you're serving the Lord with all your heart here. You got uh, a lot of patience and you have persevered through the hard times and you're not becoming weary and well-doing. And I'm proud of that. But Jesus says, nevertheless, how many of you ever had somebody say, but, I love you, but, <laughs> right? That's, that's always hard to take. But Jesus says this, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I thought that it was interesting that we were praying for ears, that ears are important. And we have to have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. How many of you know that you can hear or you can listen? <laughs> right? How many of you know that sometimes you are not exactly clued in? You hear what's being said, but you're not really listening to what's being said. I've learned this through 20-something years of marriage. You know, as... Anna will be talking to me. You know, maybe I'm off in La La Land, engaged somewhere else in my mind. And she said, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. I said, yeah, I am. You just said, I'm not listening to what you're saying. She said, what did I say before that? I'm sorry, you got me. We can hear, but we're not listening. We need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. All right, so this is a very important uh, lesson, and I just want the Holy Spirit to have his way in all of our lives. Now, in verse 4, it says that I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, this is the translation of the New King James Version. But if you were to read it out of, say, the NIV, it says, you have forsaken that you, you have forsaken the love that you had at first. 
All right, so I started doing some comparison, reading a bunch of tra translations. How many of you know about the Bible Gateway tool? That is an awesome tool. Go ahead and use it. Get familiar with it. Go to www.biblegateway.com, and you can read all the versions of the Bible that you can actually comprehend and handle, and it's wonderful. But anyway, as I started reading, it, it was pretty much translated both these ways, that you have left your first love, and you have left the love that you had at first. That's not the same thing, is it? Your first love and the love that you had at first is not necessarily the same thing. And as I got to thinking about that, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation that, that this is something to, to ponder and to think about. That your first love is actually your first love in priority or in rank. Okay, so think about this. Your, your spouse may be your first love in rank and priority. You have other loves. You love your children and you love your family, your brothers and sisters, but your wife is, your, or your husband is your first love, okay? In rank, in priority. Now, you can also look at it like you have forsaken the love that you had at first. So how many of you know when you first fell in love with somebody, you couldn't get enough of that person, right? You were talking on the phone for hours on end. Now you've been married for 20-something, 30 years, and you're like, can't even think of anything to talk about. How was your day? Fine. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing. Um, you know how it goes? You were, at first, you were so enamored with that person. You were just like, this is the best person ever. And you know what? They like me, too. That's a wonderful feeling. And how many know that there's a passion, there's a, uh, a flame, you know, there's a drive there when you first fall in love? And how many of you remember when you first fell in love with Jesus, when he first came into your life? Do you remember those days? I mean, think about it. You were like, oh, I am free. I am free from all the guilt and the shame that I've been walking around with my whole life. I have hope. I have joy. I have something to look forward to. I'm loving the fact that Jesus loves me. And your, your, your passion for him, your zeal for him was like through the roof. You couldn't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. But what happens, you've been with Jesus a while, and you kind of get over it. I heard a preacher say one time, it's not that we're not saved, it's that we've gotten over being saved. How many times do we kind of just kind of go through the motions of our faith in Christ, and we're not excited about him anymore? And it's very possible for Christians to be doing the right things, but to lose that passion, that drive, that love that you had when you first came to him, when you first experienced him. All right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about your first love or the love that you had at first. So I got to thinking about some of these things. And just would like to explore it with you. Is it possible that... You can believe all the right things and do all the right things and Jesus still have something against you. 
I think it's possible. Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they knew the Bible, right? They knew the scriptures. They knew it inside out, backwards and frontwards. They were always trying to test Jesus in the scriptures. They knew the scriptures. And they were righteous people, right? They followed the law to the, to the letter. And Jesus said, you know what? That's good that you follow the law to the letter. Those things you ought to do. But you shouldn't forget justice and mercy, right? So sometimes we can focus on the wrong things and be good people, but we're really not good Christians. Uh oh Now, there's no condemnation here. Just want you to know that. Now, we can be good people and not good Christians, all right? A good Christian is somebody that is in love with Jesus and has a good relationship with Jesus, and they allow the love of Jesus to flow through them and out of them. All right. So it is possible for us to know all the right things and to do all the right things, but still miss Jesus and still miss the heart of Jesus. So here's another thought. You could still have all the right deeds, not just what you believe, but all the things that you do that you're busy about doing the Lord's business, serving the Lord, but still miss Jesus. I have a friend that was young in the ministry, and he was excited about serving in the children's ministry. And um, he and his wife just threw themselves into that ministry, and they began to neglect their home life. They began to neglect each other. They began to neglect all their finances and all the things around them. And they would, next thing you know, they were shipwrecked. You know, they ended up going through a divorce and, you know, all terrible things because they put all their focus on serving God, but they left God out of their daily life. I can tell you as a pastor, that has happened to me that, you know, I'm busy maybe preparing a sermon, but I'm not preparing my heart for Jesus. All right, we can be busy about doing the Lord's business and still miss that love relationship. It's kind of like, you know, your, your own relationship with, with your spouse, you know. You may not spend time with them like you should, uh, you know, and you're, you're reasoning to yourself, well, I'm working all the time and everything I'm doing, I'm doing for them. But you're neglecting that relationship. And when you neglect that relationship, it'll eventually affect you. Okay, make sense? All right. All right, so what Jesus is saying to them is that I must be the most important person or thing in your life. Knowing the Bible and going to church and serving God and being involved in ministry, all that is wonderful and God encourages all that. But that cannot be at the expense of your relationship with Jesus. Amen. So uh, Jesus is saying, repent, turn around and come back to me, return to me. Now, another thought here is that if your love for Jesus is not as hot or as fervent or as zealous as it used to be, 
then you're being called out by Jesus today to return to that place of joy, excitement, and passion that you once had for him. So here's a question for you. If you found yourself in a relationship that was kind of losing that spark, maybe you know what I'm talking about, but you're just not into that person like you used to be. How do you change that? You spend time with that person. How did you lose it in the first place? You stop spending time together. You stop sharing together. You stop connecting. And you drifted apart. Well, we can do that with Jesus too. We can drift away from the Lord. If we're not spending time with him. Church is not a substitute for your time for Jesus. Church is a place for us to come together and encourage one another. It's not the place for us to get our daily time with Jesus. We, if you only ate once a week, you'd look skinny, wouldn't you? You'd be malnourished. You would uh, be cranky. You would not be functioning well. You would lose strength. Well, if all you were getting was your Sunday morning dose of Jesus... It's not enough to get you through the rest of the week. So what, what's the cure? The cure is to return to him and to spend time with him. Some of you may say, well, you know, I'm just not as excited about the Lord as I used to be. Well, that's because you're not seeing him move in your life like he used to. You know, someone, someone said to me one time, he says, you know what, Pastor Todd, Christianity's not working for me. And I looked at him and I said, well, are you working Christianity? Makes sense, right? If you're not putting in the effort, how are you going to expect the result? So you got to spend time with the Lord. you got to read your Bible for yourself, not so that you can prepare a lesson for somebody else, but so that God can speak to you. You need to spend time with Jesus in prayer so he can speak to you and show you what you need to be doing and what needs to be changed and how you can fall in love with him all over again. Amen. So we need to restore that passion that we had with him. And that's going to come by spending time with him. You got to make time for Jesus. You need to, we all live busy lives. But one thing is true is that we all have 24 hours in a day. And in that 24 hours in a day, we need to carve out some time for you and Jesus so that your relationship can grow and that it can be real. You know, Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. You can commune with him and talk with him just like you can with anybody else. He is as real as anyone. And we need to spend time with him so that he can speak to us. Now, this may be another lesson in itself, but I just feel like the Lord telling me to, to go here. How do I develop a relationship with Jesus? Well, one is, how do you develop a relationship with anybody? You don't do all the talking. You do some listening. You, you have mutual experiences together, and that will build a bond. Okay, so when you spend time with Jesus, don't go down your prayer list and say, I pray for this and this and this, and I need it, I need it, I need it, I need it, I need this. But you say what you need to say, and then stop and listen. How do you listen? 
Stop talking. Stop talking and just be quiet. Turn off the radio, turn off the TV, get alone somewhere, and just listen. And these thoughts are going to come to you. Some thoughts are going to be good thoughts. Some thoughts are going to be not so good thoughts, you know. And just remember that God is good. So God would never tell you to do something that is bad. So these thoughts that come to you that are bad, that's the devil trying to interfere with you, okay? But when these thoughts that are good, maybe someone might, God might bring someone to your remembrance that you haven't thought about in 10 years. And all of a sudden you start thinking about that person and, you know, maybe he might lead you to pray for him. He might lead you to pick up the phone and call them or try to reach out to them in some way or another. But the Holy Spirit is going to prompt you to do something with this thought that you, that you have. So we're going we're gonna to listen to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we're going to allow them to lead us in the way that we should go. Okay? And when you start having those experiences of, wow, that was cool. I just had a Jesus moment. I just had a God moment. I just, I just heard the voice of the Lord, and it changed my whole direction and changed my whole outlook on life. Now your relationship with him is going to go, it's going to go up. You're going to recover that passion. You're going to recover that zeal that you had by just by spending time with him. How many of you say, okay, Lord, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I'll spend some time with you this week. It's one day at a time, you know. I know when we want to change habits, we say, okay, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go drive off and go hide for three days. and You know, I'm going to be a monk somewhere and just listen to Jesus. That probably might not work for you. Just start spending time with him, taking 30 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 10 minutes here, and set your mind on things above, not things on this earth. And when you set your mind on Christ, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding is going to guard your heart and mind. And Jesus is going to become real to you. It's going to get exciting. Some of y'all are going to have some great testimonies about, wow, Lord led me to, to bless this person. And it changed your life. And, and in turn, it changed mine. You know, it's all going to come by recovering that passion, by spending time with him. Okay? Amen. So, Either way you look at this verse, whether you left your priority or you left that love that you had at first, it still cuts to our hearts. Either we have substituted something else for an intimate relationship with Jesus, which is idolatry, or we don't love him like we used to love him, which means we have backslidden. Either one of them is not good. And this is what Jesus is saying to this church that was spot on, that was doing everything right. He said, you're doing all the good things, all the right things, but you've, you've forgotten me and all that. It's very possible. And we don't want that to happen in our lives. Because when we backslide, when we backslide away from the Lord, you, when we live our life without the Lord, we basically remove his hand of blessing on our life. I don't know about you, but I would rather live under the blessing of the Lord than, than the opposite of living under my own decisions and my own ways and living under the rules of this world. 
So we don't want to backslide, and we definitely don't want to commit adultery, idolatry, which is spiritual adultery. Basically, he says this. He says, we are to love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. We've got to love Jesus with everything you are. The first commandment is this. You shall have no other gods before me. But why is it that we find everything else in the world to devote our time and our life and our effort and our passion to rather than devoting our time and our life and our effort and our passion to Jesus? We don't want to be idolaters either. We don't want to set something up that's not... It's not, that, that, that's not where it needs to be, okay? So, basically, the Holy Spirit, hopefully, he's speaking to you right now. Listen to him, and don't ignore him. Don't ignore his promptings. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because what happens if we ignore him? What happens if we don't respond to this rebuke that he's giving us today? He said he's going to come and remove our lampstand. What does that mean? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? What is that light? That's Jesus in you. It's your witness. Your witness will be removed if you don't repent. So he's saying, I'm going to come to you. And this, he's speaking to the church and he's speaking to individuals because individuals make up the church. If we don't put Jesus first in our life, we're going to lose our witness. That. What, good is, what good is salt if it's lost its saltiness, right? No one has a lamp and then covers it up to the point that it can't be seen. We want to we be that city on a hill. We want to be the light of the world, okay? <laughs> and um, Jesus is basically telling us to repent and to return to him. What does it mean to repent? He says, repent and do your first works over. Think about it. What, are the, what were the things that you did at first that got you excited about Jesus? What were some of those things? Was it reading your Bible? You know, I mean, I remember when, when I used to do discipleship classes and stuff with new believers, they'd always have a, a handful of questions. You know, I got a question about this. Did Adam have a belly button? I don't know. You know, but they were thinking about it. You know, they were excited. They, they want to know, well, is it okay for me to drink? Can I drink? Can I, can I go down to the bar still? Uh, you know, let's talk about the Holy Spirit and how he leads us, right? We all have questions and those things that got us excited about the Lord. We need to get back to those places, back to that where you discovered him. Maybe it was a special place. Maybe it was a special time in your life. Go back there in your mind. All right, I'll give you one quick, quick story. I know I'm about out of time, but I'll give you a quick story. You remember the story about Jesus? When Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, they lost him on the way back from the temple. You know, if if um, Department of Family Services was around then, Mary and Joseph probably would have been <laughs> arrested for child neglect. They're looking at each other and say, have you seen Jesus? No. Have you? No. They start checking around all the traveling companion. Have you seen Jesus? No. Oh my goodness. We lost Jesus. Could you imagine losing Jesus? Man. But guess what they had to do? 
In order to find Jesus, they had to go back to where they left him. And he said, you know where you can find me? Basically, Jesus said, you know where you can find me? You can find me in the house of God. You can find me there. So I would encourage you to find Jesus today. You're here in the house of the Lord. Find Jesus. Go back to where you left him and reconnect with him. We're about to have the Lord's Supper. And it's an opportunity for us to reconcile with the Lord. He wants to be your friend. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. He loves you so much. And when I was thinking about a good, good father, I was thinking, Lord, I thank you for loving me because I know there's, there's days, weeks, months that I leave my first love. Always there. You're always faithful. You're always kind. And he always welcomes us back. And that's what the Lord's table is all about, is for us to reconnect with him. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 John, if, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have no sin, we lie and we deceive ourselves. And his truth is not in us. So what is he saying? He's saying, this sin that I died for, that you have allowed to creep back into your heart, that black spider you allowed to creep back into your mouth, into your heart, guess what? It's a block between me and you. But you know what? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin. It removes that barrier. And it allows that restoration of relationship. It allows that intimacy again. So we're going to go ahead and take the, the elements of the Lord. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for you giving your son so that if we would believe in him, we would not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for the blood and the body of our Lord that was given for us. And we ask that we would fall in love with you all over again. And Lord, that we would return to that zeal, that place of passion, that place of newness and excitement again. And Father, if we've drifted away, bring us back to you, reconcile us to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.